0: now that the Patriots talk is out of the way, everyone, it's on to the Wild Card weekend. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, some new quarterback drama brewing in the NFL, and some beef to squash. We've got Big Rat and Danny back here, second episode of 2021, and the one thing I want to say is I don't like to get too much into politics on this show, but I hope, look, if you're having a bit of a rough time with everything going on in the States, hopefully we're a good escape for you guys, and uh, Big Rat Danny, always great talking football with you too. let Let's get the show on the road.
1: Looking forward to it. All right. So, before we get the show on the road, uh, I just want to address something. All right. Uh, last week on the podcast, I was called out quite a, quite a bit. <laughs> quite, quite a bit here uh, by, by this guy right here. Yours truly, Big Rat. I wasn't.
0: Um,
1: the- so, no, 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 let me talk. Let me talk. So, I just want to say my grand finale takes on Big Rat went 3 4 3. I said the Browns would make the playoffs. I said. Tua, which I might have, you know, overstated here, would be a game manager. I think I think I was too kind there, Big Rat. And uh I, I said your your Dolphins are overrated. And what happened? They didn't make the playoffs. So uh I think uh, I think I'm not ninety percent anymore, Big Rat. Claiming uh claiming
2: victory on the Tua point, that's which is kinda like a Year long, career long, multi year question, not an end of the season question, is low and shallow. But you're grasping for straws, so I don't blame you. Like you've had a lot of losses this so,
1: year. So, I'll let you so think. We, oh, we 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 overrate my Nick Foles take, which I troll the shit out of you with. And you pe- um you so, kept so it I, up. I'll hold that up. I will hold that up. I'm you gonna have it to the ears. That's why. If you oh, just, bad, bro. I love I love getting the rise out of you, bro. I love it. I love it. But listen. Yeah your overrated-ass Dolphins did nothing, bro. They did the same thing the 2015 Jets did. Mirror seasons, you guys were overrated. And and the craziest part is, in September, I was higher on the Dolphins than Big Rat was, if he could tell you that himself. Yeah, yeah that's the craziest part. He and, s- and, uh, go
0: ahead. I was gonna say, he said that on here before, though, where I know he was trying to level, lower expectations a bit than I think what he really wanted them to be for the Dolphins. You've said that on this show before, Big Rat, a couple of times.
2: Yeah, yeah. We can Get into all that when because I'm sure like the Dolphins will come up and I'll have a lot to say on them specifically. Um, all I'll say is on Cleveland, I love how Danny they they he I, I tell them they're overrated, and here's how they end their season: they lose to the Jets, and then the next week they fucking come a hair away from losing to the Mason Rudolph-led Steelers, winning 24 to 22. By the way, not just Mason Rudolph, TJ Watt didn't play, Cameron Hayward didn't play, and they win barely win that game at home by the skin of their teeth. And Danny is like, oh, this proves that they were actually like a good team this whole time. No, sir. They are a fraudulent playoff team. You compare the Dolphins to the 2015 Jets, I think that's fair. The 2015 Jets were a better team than this Cleveland Browns team. So they they got in. Good for them. Good for the fans. I understand it's like a real fun storyline to see them get in. So there's no harm, no foul there. They're gonna finish the year with a negative point differential mind you they went 11 and 5 do you know how hard it is to win 11 games out of 16 and still finish with a negative point differential that's because they had close games against houston close games against jacksonville close games against the jets which they just outright lost close games against the Bengals, and then the dolphins played the nfc west this year to try to get into the playoffs the browns played the nfc east and predictably beat all four of those nfc east teams and so, yes, they have one more win than the Dolphins. They had a much easier strength to schedule. They have a much lower point differential. The Dolphins' offense has problems. The Browns' defense is even worse than the Dolphins' offense is. The Browns' defense just gave up 300 passing yards to Mason Rudolph, a career high. So, yeah,
1: they're frauds. Good for them. They got in. And, ultimately, they got in. Big Rats over here on the podcast last week saying, oh, I feel so bad for the Colts, man. They're not going to be able to get in. No, motherfucker. Your team didn't get in. My team did and I'm
0: very happy about that, so we can start the show. Let's go. I was about to, say, I was about to say, I want the one thing I want to get into from last Sunday though, and I want to give my two cents on this, and I want to see you guys think. But the whole Philadelphia New York Giants thing for Joe Judge to come out there and say like, "Oh, it's the integrity of the game. It's this and this and this." Big Rat and I had a weird tradition back in October November where Big Rat, who was the uh, team that was always on prime time when you and I recorded, the
1: Giants.
0: That Thursday night game, weren't the Giants up by like 10 or 11 on the Eagles and then they let the Eagles come back and win? It was 11 with like 5 minutes left in the game too. This argument does not happen if the Giants win that game or even the Bucs game where the Bucs, remember, were an 11.5 point favorite and the Giants lost by 2. So that's the only thing I want to say is I have two sides of the coin of it where... The one is for the Giants. You know what? If you maybe had won another game, you would be in the playoffs right now. And this conversation wouldn't be happening. The other point is, if Philadelphia, I think that the only reason because my dad came to me and said, I think Doug Peterson gets fired if this uh, doesn't. Ha- if this, uh, how can he not get fired? And I said, Howie Roseman or Laurie had to give him approval for this in order for him to keep his job. Saying like, Look, if you throw the game, you're not going to lose your job over it. And the other being too. As long as the Eagles don't say anything about admittingly to tanking, the NFL is just not going to punish them or go down their throats like they did with the uh, Deflategate and other scandals that have come up in the NFL, like Bounty Gate 2 even. Um, but all in all, for Giants fans to be bitching about this, like, look, if your team had won one more game, you wouldn't be doing this. And even, too, for Judge to come out there and say, like, oh, we did do this, 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 all these sacrifices. It doesn't come down to sacrifices. This year's obviously a little different. But in a COVID, like not COVID aside, you your job is to win football games. You didn't do that. You finished six and ten, and now a seven and nine football team is in. And guess what? If you were seven and nine, you're in. Why? Because two of your wins were against Washington. That's the only thing I got to say. Is that look, Giants fans? I understand it can suck and you feel a little salty, but don't throw a pity party for yourself.
2: Yeah, I think it's possible to like. I can understand like why the Eagles players were upset. And um, because apparently, if you read the reports, it's not just that, like, they were tanking the game, but uh, it seems like all the defensive starters and all the veteran leaders on the team weren't informed that it was going to happen. Or at least, if it was going to happen, they didn't think it would happen in a situation where they were down three in the fourth quarter. Uh, Like, Jason Kelsey apparently was confused, some of the defensive players were confused, Miles Sanders said he was confused. So it's not just that they tanked, it's that Peterson wasn't transparent, and I saw, like, uh, Brian Flores the other day was talking a lot about transparency in a press conference, like how important it is to him and the players, and that's why the quarterback thing in Miami is being resolved so easily. And then I saw Jeff Okuda complain that he felt the coaching staff did not have a lot of transparency for him um, as he was trying to manage the season. So, like, transparency is clearly very important to the players, and it sounds like Peterson was not transparent at all, and that pissed off a lot of people. So I, I think we can comment that, like, that was bad what Peterson did, is, has left his players in an awkward spot. It is a violent game. These guys are risking, like, a neck injury, all uh, then to have their coach totally quit on the game in the fourth quarter. I can understand how that's shitty.
1: But Giants fans weren't robbed of the playoffs. Come on. They're 6-10. and ten. Like, nah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, man. The, Gi- the Giant fans can cry all they want. But what I'm caring about here, like you said, like, Doug Peterson just lost that locker room. Like, the, who, who wants to come here and now play? for What already is a bad team, but you know, you know, you just you just flew, you threw you know your last game away like that when Jalen hurts is supposed to be your future. Carson Wentz won't be the future there. We all know that. Um, so I mean, yeah, the Giants could have won another game, but in the end, all these teams are at best they're going to be seven and nine. We're, they're not respectable teams. So you would have got in, and you would have got blown out by the by the Buccaneers, right? That's who the Redskins are, or the Washingtons player? Yep. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the playoff the playoff seating isn't really a, a big deal. I know it is to the fans right now because they just want to see, you know, their team in the playoffs, of course. But, you know, long picture, the Giants are probably going to – it's going to work out for them. They're going to have a high pick now. They're going to get an offensive weapon. But um, my concern is, is he lost the locker room, and now next year, going into next year, he's going to be on the hot seat. And, you know, if they start off losing with a losing record, it's going to get real ugly in
0: Philly. They're going to be calling for his head 100% if they do not get off to a winning start. Like, Philly fans are, they're, like, it's so funny how three years can change where you go from winning a Super Bowl to all of a sudden four wins on the year.
1: And that's what they're living off of right now.
0: Yeah, like, you also remember, too, these. this is the same organization that put a statue of a backup quarterback and Doug Peterson so if Doug Peterson gets fired, like, what do they do with that fucking statue outside the stadium?
1: <laughs> I didn't even think of that. That's, what, that's hilarious. Yeah, that's, that is.
0: Yeah, like, I know you guys have that stuff and everything. Um, moving on, there's a point I wanted to make, just to get off the Philly stuff quickly. I want to jump into Miami before we jump into, like, the coaching stuff. And the, Obviously, there are some, yeah, there's some football games this week. Uh, I'll be on my couch for, like, 12 hours, and I won't regret anything. Um... Big Rat, I wanted to talk about Miami's third overall pick, and I see great opportunity not to... I honestly think that Tua is the quarterback, I think, for anyone to judge and say, oh, he's not the guy, this, this, or this. He's getting, like, the reverse Drew Locke treatment. Like, remember last year where everyone was like, oh, he's went 4-1, and one. he's great, he's the guy in Denver now, no one knows if Locke's the guy? Mm-hmm. I think, honestly, this can, like, kind of light the fire under Tua, like what we saw last year with Josh Allen, you know? They lose the wild card game, and then look what Josh Allen's doing this year. Now, I'm not saying two is going to be an MVP, but I'm just saying, look, they're going to keep on to him, but that third overall pick's enticing. Why? Because if they're evaluating, like, they're go- I think Chris Greer needs to evaluate the quarterbacks because if someone calls looking for Zach Wilson, he can do what John Lynch did in uh, 2017. If I don't know if you guys ever saw this. Sports Illustrated uh, Peter King did a day in the life with Lynch for the draft. Where Lynch was on the phone with pace. Uh, he knew, look, Lynch all knew all along. He wanted Solomon Thomas, that was his guy, but he knew the Bears were eyeing Trubisky. So if he gets reports or whiffs of a team eyeing, like, let's say, Zach Wilson, he can easily finesse that team into moving up a spot or two, trade back, and just stockpile picks. So I honestly think going into the offseason, it's. There's nowhere to go but up for Greer. Like, I think Greer's he's got it under control, but if Miami can just you know what, add in a couple pieces here or there. He's got two first-round picks to work with, so that's just my two cents on it. I wanted to get the Dolphins fan perspective on this, though.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, So, talking about the number three overall pick requires uh, talking about Tua's rookie season, because the two are very much related. I think you could talk about one without the other. Um, And also kind of the end to the season, which I'll just touch on briefly. Like, you know, I mean... We kind of talked about the opening. Dolphins lost. They didn't make it. You know, the difference between the Browns making and the Dolphins not is the Steelers pulled their starters the whole game. The Buffalo Bills did not do that. They left Allen in there for a half. Uh, I don't know why. I thought Allen was going to stay in just to break the records or something. But they left Allen in for a full, whole half. And then they put Barkley in, in the second half when the Dolphins were already down 28-6. to And so, look, I mean... It was disappointing. It caught me off guard, because you're right, like, I did have low expectations for this team at the start of the year, I said it on the podcast. I did also contextualize it, that the main reason I had low expectations was I did not like the Chan Gailey hire, and I really didn't like Fitzpatrick and Chan Gailey running a team together, because every time they do, the ceiling is kind of like 9-10 wins, and more often than not, it's kind of a middle-of-the-road team, so... I, it is nice that they went to Tua, and then we don't have to like worry about all that stuff. So it was kind of different context. Um, but the the end of the season was disappointing. It caught me off guard because I mean, all week I thought the Bills weren't going to play their starters a whole lot. I thought Allen was going to play like a series or two. Danny knows this. Last year against the Jets, the Bills didn't play their starters at all. I think, or if they did, Allen only played like a series. Couple
1: series, yeah.
2: Yeah. So I was, exp- and they mentioned before the game that the Bills are going to be scoreboard watching. If the Browns you know, are like destroying Pittsburgh, then they can pull their starters faster. And so I thought, okay, well, if Josh Allen is playing the whole game, that must mean that the Steelers are beating the Browns. But if the Steelers are beating the Browns, we get to the playoffs anyways. So either way, it's like either the Steelers win and we're in, and we lose to the Bills because Josh Allen's playing a lot, or they rest everybody and we just beat the Bills outright, and that's how we get in. In the end, it was kind of a middle ground where Allen played the half but he did enough to, to totally destroy the game, getting us down 28-6. to And then the Steelers were down a lot, came back, but didn't quite do enough to win. Baker Mayfield converts a third and one if he gets stopped there in the Browns punt because they didn't have a kicker they could rely on. that is That would have been interesting. I do kind of think the Steelers would have driven down and scored, and it would have been the end of it, but what can you do? Um, yeah, no, Tua had a—if you look— at the numbers, which I did because I was looking at his adjusted net yards per attempt. The best stat, Danny. So, over the years, what Tua ended up in this rookie season is about on par for a typical rookie quarterback. No, it wasn't Deshaun Watson, it wasn't Justin Herbert, it wasn't Dak Prescott. Those guys are the exceptions rather than the rule. They were, you know, top 10 quarterbacks right away as rookies. And I don't think that should be the expectation because that's not true for most other quarterbacks. You mentioned Jared Goff's. Adjusted net yards per attempt as a rookie was awful. It was like historically awful. Uh, Josh Allen's was also historically awful. Lamar Jackson's was also pretty low. Obviously, he made up for it on the ground, but his rookie numbers passing weren't anything to sniff at either. All all of those guys I just mentioned had worse rookie year passing performances than Tua did. Furthermore, this year Joe Burrow, Tua rated out of thirty five quarterbacks qualified for adjusted net yards per attempt. It's thirty five, not thirty two, because as we know. We had Trubisky and Foles play a lot. We had Alex Smith and Dwayne Haskins play a lot. Joe Flacco and Sam Darnold, you get it. So out of 35 quarterbacks, Tua rated 28, which, you know, obviously that's not good for a rookie quarterback. That's, eh, it's not not ideal. Uh, Joe Burrow rated 26, only two spots higher than Tua. And I don't see anyone saying The Bengals should draft the quarterback in the first round. And Joe Burrow's coming off a major injury. I don't see anyone giving that argument for Cincinnati, but they're giving that argument for the Dolphins because their pick is so high. So really, if Tua was on like a six-win team and we were picking like 10th in the draft, I don't think this would be a conversation point. It's not that he wowed as a rookie. It's just okay. He was like a middle-of-the-road rookie. Like if you look through the years, rookie quarterbacks are anywhere between twenty fifth and thirty second in just in yards per attempt. Tua was twenty eighth, so he was you know your standard rookie. He wasn't a historically bad rookie like Jared Goff was, like Josh Rosen was, like Josh Allen was, or anything like that. They have a such a high pick, and because it is a ten and six team, it gets a lot of scrutiny and attention. They especially that Raiders game was on. It was a Saturday night game on national television that everybody watched. So there's a lot of attention on it, and there's more scrutiny applied to his flaws. Whereas someone like Justin Herbert, who's been out of... I mean, not Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, who's been out of sight for the last few weeks. Joe Burrow is on the Bengals, and they don't get as much attention, and he's been hurt for a while. And his numbers are very similar to Tua's, but he doesn't need to be replaced, even though the Bengals also have a high pick. So that's like just kind of the shitty part about the start to Tua's career so far. He was solid... He had a solid year. He was bad the last two games. There's no way around that. He was bad against the Raiders. He was bad against the Bills. I know that. All Dolphins fans know that. No one's saying that's not true. It's just, why do those bad two games mean that his flashes and his highs didn't happen? Because he did have flashes. He did have that game against the Cardinals that a lot of people watched, where he was 20 of 28 for 250 yards, two touchdowns, and no picks. He did have that game against the Bengals, where he had 300 yards, over seven yards per attempt. The fourth quarter against the Chiefs, where he led back-to-back drives to get them back in the game after they were down 30-10. to 10. He had his flashes. He had his moments. It wasn't week-to-week consistent, but he had his moments. And so I don't think Tua was like historically bad to where you can do what they did with Rosen and Kyler Murray and it's like, okay, I know you were a rookie, I know you didn't have a lot of help, but you were just so bad, and Kyler Murray is just so good that we have to pull the plug right away. If Trevor Lawrence were to fall to number three overall, which is not going to happen, because even if the Jags do fuck that up, Danny's team will not. So, that's not a possibility. If that were happening, we could have a conversation, because Trevor is that good as a prospect, that, like the rules are a little different when Trevor's involved. But um, But for someone like Justin Fields and Zach Wilson and Trey Lance, these guys are, like, good. I just don't think, I don't think any of them are that different than, like, the top three quarterbacks that are available in every draft. Like, someone like Zach Wilson, it's not to diminish him, because he did have a really good year. It's just, it just seems like someone like that is available every year. You know, like, the tall, white guy who has a pretty good arm, who put up really good numbers in college, it's just like, there's one of those every single year. Like, that's not so distinctive. Like, the Dolphins, if they miss out on Zach Wilson, they can just, if two of bomb, they can just draft another quarterback, whenever the time comes, and do that. So I just don't think they're really, I don't think they're missing out on a generational prospect. I like Fields. I understand Fields destroyed Clemson. He was not having a great year before then. He had two really bad games against the only two games they faced in Indiana and Northwestern. In Indiana, his, I thought his actual performance was a lot worse than what his numbers were. So he's got some he's got some strengths to him. I just don't think it makes sense to take a quarterback, take that risk. And uh, Danny, me and Danny fought about this on Twitter. He's not going to like me saying this, but you know the Dolphins are kind of looking at a window right now of trying to be really competitive in the playoffs. Most teams try to win a Super Bowl under a rookie quarterback contract. You know, usually years two through four of the contract, because after that you have to extend the guy, and then you give the quarterback $30 million, and it's a lot harder to build a contender and all that. So the Dolphins' window kind of starts now. They have a draft bounty equal to the Jaguars and better than the Jets. When you have a draft capital like the Dolphins do, you're supposed to be like a two-to-five win team that sold all your players and you have all these picks, which is what happened with the Jets and the Jaguars. The Dolphins aren't like that. They're a 10-6 team with a massive draft bounty. This is, like, really rare. They have two first-round picks, two second-round picks, multiple picks in the fourth round, another pick in the third. Like, they have a deep, deep draft bounty off a 10-6 season. So that's something they're going to want to capitalize on. And Tua, although he had his flaws, if they wanted to replace Tua with, like, what's a good example? Like, Brady you Know or someone like that, like a Tom Brady, where if the Bucks cut him for whatever stupid reason and they replace him with Brady because they want to win right now with Tom Brady, that's one thing. But replacing Tua with another rookie quarterback at the end, like, and then what's gonna happen? Like, the rookie quarterback's probably gonna have 10 t- I mean, 20 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. The rookie quarterback will be 25th and adjusted net yards per attempt. It's like, then what are we doing? Like, why for a team that's gonna try to win a playoff game next year, not just get to the playoffs. The standard will be to win a playoff game. Why would you just instead of betting on Tua's sophomore ascension, betting on a new rookie quarterback is such a big risk that I don't think it's worth it unless you're just sure that a Tua can't possibly be like a league average quarterback. And I just don't think anyone can make that claim. So yeah, I don't think taking a quarterback makes a whole lot of sense for those reasons. Um, I do think trading back makes the most sense. They've talked about they don't want to draft extra draft picks to end this year. They want to do this every year. They want to have two first round picks every year. Chris Greer has said that I want multiple firsts every year, like moving forward, if we can do it. So this just seems like the per- perfect opportunity. You know, it would suck to trade all the way down to thirty, but if the New Orleans Saints want that pick and they're going to give you their next three first round picks, kind of like what the Rams did with the Redskins, what the Rams did with uh, the football team for the RG three trade. You know, you have to seriously consider that because then you'd have multiple firsts for the next three years. That's going to be really enticing. So I think that's what they'll do. I think it also makes sense with the context of the roster. And I I just think that that's all more likely. The last, And I know I've been going on for a while, but the last thing I'll say very quickly is a lot of people have been saying, why don't you just do both? You keep Tua and you draft another quarterback. And then you have both of them in the summer see who wins, trade the other guy. A lot A lot of people have been saying that. Like, it's not that we don't like Tua, it's just that you, you're you better off getting a second quarterback to make sure you have as much good quarterbacks as possible. I don't think this hypothetical is theoretically possible. When the Cardinals drafted Kyler Murray, Daniel Jeremiah said they have to trade Rosen. And I Mel Kuyper on the show asked, why can't they just keep Rosen and Murray, have a competition? And Jeremiah said something that I thought was very insightful. He said... Those two quarterbacks are too close in age. It's gonna be very competitive and it could be a hostile environment for the locker room, you know, spreading allegiances and all that. The Dolphins had enough problems this year with Tua and Fitz, but at least those guys were on opposite ends of their careers. We knew Fitz was on the way out. We knew Tua was on the up and up. It's very it didn't create any confusion in the locker room. If it's two first round picks, I mean you're gonna have guys splitting loyalties and stuff like that. I trust Daniel Jeremiah when he says It's just not a possible hypothetical, despite what everyone says. And also, the last point on this is Tua would probably win the competition in the summer because he has an extra year of experience in the NFL that the other guy doesn't have. And specifically for someone like Justin Fields, where apparently the knock on him is his ability to process the field really quickly. And I understand that plays into a lot of negative racial stereotypes that exist on the draft season, which I hate myself. I'm just telling you what some quarterback evaluators I trust, what they've said about him. If that's his flaw, then he's not the kind of rookie that would like light the world on fire from day one. He's the kind of guy that would need time. So if you're going to do this competition and two is starting week one anyways, it's like why don't you just run it back with him and improve the weaponry as much as you can. If he's going to be your week one starter no matter what then don't undermine his confidence. Get him as many good receivers as possible. Don't bother with the competition if he's going to win the competition, and it still doesn't really clear up your future. So for all those reasons, I think they should trade down. If they don't trade down, take someone like Chase. Take someone like Sewell, maybe. And that's kind of where I stand on it.
0: I – yeah. Wow. Look at
1: this guy with the plan. The man with the plan. So listen, real quick, if I could just jump in with a couple points. Um, yeah. The way I the way I view the Dolphins, um, you know, Chris Greer, obviously great, probably one of the best trades of all time, if not like top ten in NFL history. With the Larmy Tunsil trade worked out, pop, No one thought the Texans would have the third uh, the third round or the third overall pick this year, and the second rounder on top of that, which is amazing value. But my thing with Chris Greer is, I really don't think he can draft. I mean, you you look at the Dolphins outside of Xavier and Howard. What blue chip players do you have? Listen, I know you traded. Uh, Army Sun, so I know you traded uh, Minka, but you got to hit in these later rounds, bro. You can't just 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 hit home runs in the in the first round. So, who is he really drafted? That's making a difference. Second of all, my problem with two is who are you going to bring in for for his offensive coordinator? He's going to be learning a second offensive system in two years, and you know. Chan, you you can see now why Chan was holding him back all this time. You know, he finally threw the playbook at him uh, that second half of the Bills game, and he he, he goes and he throws th- three interceptions. So, you know, he, maybe he knew something that he was seeing in practice that we didn't, and that's why we were getting these little two yard, three yard passes, you know, when we watched them play. So the Dolphins definitely know more than we do. Fitzpatrick's not going to be there to save, the, save their asses next year, and I think you're being a little crazy saying they have a Super Bowl window right now. They have a lot more questions than answers. Oh, okay, Same so...
2: Way. And I, I, I promise I'll let you get in here, Chris, but that yeah. has to be responded to in a few levels. So, the Super Bowl window thing, I'm just telling you what all... I'm telling you what all franchises think when they're in the second year of a first-round quarterback. Like, the Cleveland Browns last year, before the season, you know, not not during the season when we knew they were 6-10, before the season. Don't you remember they traded for Odell? and all these people are predicting them to win the division and to win a playoff game, when you're on a rookie quarterback contract, you want to capitalize on that. You want to, like, because that gives you the competitive advantage to build a deeper roster because you're paying the quarterback so little so you can pay other positions more money, and that's how you can advance further. I'm not saying the Dolphins are going to win a Super Bowl or or trying to get to a Super Bowl. I think their expectations clearly are going to be to win a playoff game. And I think that qualifies as a deep playoff run. If you don't, then fine. Like, test of semantics. But there are 10 and 16. They have problems, no doubt. But there are 10 and 16. That was the second youngest team in the NFL. They have one guy on the team, one, over the age of 30 years old. And that's Ryan Fitzpatrick. And that was the only one. They had no other guy on the team who was 30 years old. So they're such a young team. They have a lot of assets with the draft class and with free agency. And they're coming off a 10-win foundation. That, yeah, it's not even that they're going to go from 10 wins to 14. It's just, if you go from 10 to 11, you know, or 10 to 10, but a better, well-rounded team, then, yeah, the expectation, making the playoffs won't be enough. The expectation will be to win a game. And that's all. I don't think that's a crazy expectation. I don't think that they're going to do it necessarily. But that is going to be their organizational expectation. On the two point... There's a lot of rumors that they're going to promote George Godsey. He's an internal hire. He was their tight ends coach last year. He took over as their quarterbacks coach mid-season. It was really crazy. Like their their quarterbacks coach got COVID, and then they had the tight ends coach take over and start talking to two on the sidelines. And then Brian Flores just like out of nowhere like said he wanted to keep that arrangement going. He was cool with the tight ends coach essentially being the new quarterbacks coach. It was the weirdest fucking thing, but that's what happened. And there's a lot of expectation that that tight ends coach, George Godsey, who was an OC under Bill O'Brien and was really tight with Brian Flores, is going to be the new OC. That sounds not sexy. Recognize Arthur Smith was a tight ends coach who was promoted internally. He was not hired externally. He was promoted internally, and then he turned the Titans around. So there could be something to that. And if you do promote internally, Danny, then it's not going to be that different of verbiage. It's not going to be that crazy new of a system because you're going to hire someone from David's original staff who just might do things a little differently. And then on the Greer thing, I mean, he has hit on some late-round guys. They're just not guys that, uh, they pop it away. Sure, he doesn't have fifth-round picks that are pro bowlers, but he has fifth-round picks that make a difference. Andrew Van Ginkle, who they drafted in 2019, he's been on Good Morning Football all year. Peter Schrager loves him because he keeps making crazy impact plays every other week, whether it's a sack, whether it's a forced fumble, or a touchdown, which he had against the Rams. So you have someone like that. You have someone like Jakeem Grant, who Chris Greer drafted, who, sure, maybe isn't a household name at wide receiver. He's also the best punt returner in the NFL. He also has the capability to hit on deep shots every now and then, and is the best punt returner in the league. So, you have a bunch of guys like that throughout the roster, and fine, we say first and second round picks don't count, which includes Minka, Laramie Tunsil, Xavier Howard, Mike Gusecki, Christian Wilkins, a lot of good players. We'll see about this past class. We don't yet know. I, I agree with you there. I don't I don't think he's like a consistently terrible drafter. I think he's up and down. He has some years he's good. He has some years he's bad. His 2017 class was terrible. So it's kind of more of a mixed bag, I would say, than actively bad.
1: So that's all. So so to respond to that real quick, I understand that generally in the NFL you want to win on that rookie QB contract. That's huge. But outside of KC last year, what was the last team to go ahead and do that? Hold on. Win on the contract? Or just like be in position well, to pick a deep role, or even 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 get there, even get because there. okay. How about how about like you have to say what Russell Wilson, right? Yeah, but we're not
2: talking about all the way to the Super Bowl. Remember, I said win a playoff game. The window, the window. Yes, of course. Okay, we have you have the Bills this year who won thirteen and three. Obviously, I'm not saying they're going to go to the Super Bowl. I'm not going to pick them on these shows, but like they're thirteen and three, they're in a position to get there off a rookie quarterback contract last year you had Deshaun Watson and the Texans when he was on his rookie contract before he signed his extension they got to the second round of the playoffs Jared Goff got to the Super Bowl while on a rookie contract before he got paid the Eagles, with Carson Wentz, won the Super Bowl. I know Wentz wasn't the quarterback in the Super Bowl, but they were able to build that spectacular roster that was good enough to carry Nick Foles to the Super Bowl because Wentz was on his rookie deal. So it's not... I think you're looking at it from the lens of like the Super Bowl winner, which I would throw Philly at you if that's what you want, but don't just view it from that lens. View it from the lens of teams that are that win 12 to 13 games that have a chance, like this year's Bills, like last year's Texans, like the Rams in 2018. That's
0: kind of the range that we're talking about. Like, to get in here, too, Ben won in 2005. Yep. I wanted to get in here and give my two cents. Like, I agree mostly with everything Big Rat's saying, especially, too, with the whole uh, promoting within. Uh, I have some takes to an Arthur Smith later. But, no, you're 100% right. Like, you're not saying, like, yeah, Miami's going to be the Super Bowl contender. They're going to be this great team. But you want a team that not only will make it to January football, even though we all played on Sunday, this is like real January football now, like playoff football. You want to win a game. You want to keep building up on experience. Like you said, Deshaun Watson did it. Uh, Andrew Luck, the years, because he had the wild card year where he lost, and then he made it to the divisional round, and then he made it to the AFC Championship game. Um, Marcus, Marcus Mariota, too, even did it with Tennessee, where they had that crazy game against Kansas City two uh, three years ago.
1: Which That's are exactly. all supremely better quarterbacks than Tua. They're to better. This
0: to but, this point. Is Jared Goff a supremely better quarterback than Tua? Hell no.
1: I would say better and maybe not supremely better. It's more Sean McVay. Well, we oh. will see when George Godsey is the new Arthur Smith, then maybe things will change. Yeah. So let me let me, let me me defend Chan real quick, though. You know, I always have a little, little, little story to the side. I'll always have a soft spot for Chan Gailey. Uh, 2015 Jets training camp. You know, I had a little fan meet and greet. Chan Gailey was there, and I'm like, hey, Chan, man, can I come play tight end for you? The man, no lie, looks me up and down, head to toe, and he goes, in the Southern accent, he goes, maybe. So I always love Chan for that, bro. He <laughs> gave, me a little bit of, gave me a little bit of unrealistic hope, but. Uh,
0: no, not, I, I, I get that. If you have a soft spot and everything, but. No, that's the one thing, Like even too, I was going to mention, guys like Mike Isecki, Van Ginkel. like, you not necessarily are looking for, like, those big ballers late in the rounds of the draft, you're looking for those impact guys that can make a difference, as a Patriots fan, I know all about that, like, I had to deal with this year with everyone bitching about Belichick saying, oh, he can't draft, he can't do any of this, but if you always go back and look at all of his impact players who are on those Patriot teams, it's all those day two and day three guys that are coming in and making impacts, or making a name for themselves, like... That's just the one thing I want to add on too. Like, look, this year Michael Owenu, one of the best uh rookie offensive linemen, sixth round pick. Um,
1: the thing is you just you just don't see that enough for the dogs. I know every team has a few, but like especially free agency. You guys went out and you gave a shitload of money to Byron Jones, who did not live up to that contract, gave uh, a shitload of money to Levin. I would not fully agree with that. I think
2: it's not that Byron Jones, like I mean, Xavier Howard outplayed him. And I guess Byron Jones wasn't the best cornerback in the league like he's paid to be, but the entire premise of their defense, where they could be so aggressive with their blitzes and their fronts, is solely because they have two cornerbacks that can play man coverage in X and Byron Jones. The games that Byron Jones was hurt, the defense was awful. This is when I was fighting with you back in September about their defense being so terrible. It was specifically because Byron Jones was hurt. Like, I understand he doesn't make a lot of flash plays, but when he's not healthy, He's kinda like the domino linchpin to this whole team.
1: When he's not healthy, they can't they have to play defense completely differently. So I wouldn't I wouldn't just go ahead and say it was a huge flop of a free agency signing. Um it was just money money could have been spent better. You also got what Calvin or who's gonna be thirty next year, what is he and he's on a yeah, what four year deal? Yeah, four year deal for thirteen mil per so that he's is- gonna regress. He's gonna regress. Sure uh, what the outs are on the contract. Eric Flowers Dude. He's- always been average career average uh, guard you guys gave what how much did you get 10 10, 10 double 10, 10, million, 10, 10 per, when, yeah. when it gave uh, uh the running back uh oh howard, jordan back. howard five million guaranteed for what like a game come on man like he doesn't spend money that wisely Passed you're also justin jefferson didn't give his rookie quarterback uh help so come on man you oh, also you, know, you, you also conveniently left out
2: when they signed Emmanuel Agba on a super cheap that deal, that was a good, that was a good, that and was a good contract. That was yeah. That was, like, man, he had not. He was leading the NFL in sacks at week nine. Like he was not just playing well. He was like that. That those games where the Dolphins were like always getting a defensive touchdown every week, like in November, like that was all because of Agba. Like he was just he, he caused. He's in. Jared Goff is still having nightmares about Emmanuel Agba
1: right now. So, but at the same time. You, also signed Shaq Lawson for the same deal that Clowney got, except it's three years. And out. Okay. Eric Eric
2: Flowers and Shaq Lawson only have one year left of guaranteed money. Firstly, That's this upcoming year. Secondly, Kyle Van Noy also only has one year left of guaranteed money. And Kyle Van Noy was really good. Yes, I, I get it. He could regress. He could fall back. He was. He had a really good year. Like no one in Miami has any regrets about that one yet. So, wouldn't. I mean, go to that. And then Eric Flowers, yes, I mean, it wasn't a great signing.
1: He's more so of my bridge, like kind of how they drafted three offensive lines last year. They'll drop another one. But yeah. What I'm trying to say is this year's re-agency class, especially in the COVID times, where a lot of teams aren't going to be able to spend the money, is this is the year to, to, to really be able to have that cap space that you guys aren't really going to have. What do you have, like 30 mil? It's 30 mil,
2: although that, that number is going to go up because they have a lot of guys on the team they have cap hits for a lot of guys next year with no guaranteed money that I don't think are going to be on the roster. Guys like Patrick Laird, guys like Matt Collins. There's a lot yeah, of those guys. little little small fries. Yeah, I understand. It, it, but... it, can, it can add another ten mil though in totality if you look at like you can't have it both ways. Like if this team has a lot of flaws, then in theory there's also a lot of guys they can cut to clear up money. Like it, it goes both ways for that reason. They have look. It's a ten win team with a. Big draft class. And, yeah, not a whole lot of money. you free to some money. And also the part you're ignoring is the internal growth. This was the young second youngest team in the league. It started the most rookies of any team in the NFL. Eight rookies on offense started this year at various points. And a lot of them, like five or six of them, started the whole year. So, so there's just ways that they can grow internally. Plus, you just need a few picks from the draft class to be impact starters. All you need is, like, one or two. And then, yeah, it's not that crazy to see how they can go from a 10-win team to an 11-win team. It's
1: really not crazy. I just just don't see it. You see it. We'll see next
2: year. Also, I'll just say, Dolphins, their point differential, the last Dolphins point I'll make, their point differential was very high all year long. (laughs) Like, it was tied with the Bills going into Week 17, which sounds crazy, but it's true. It ended up kind of regressing to the mean because they lost by 30 to the Bills. So now you look at it, the Bills had a point differential of 126. Second best in the entire ASC behind the Ravens. The Dolphins finished with plus 66, which is not at the level of Baltimore, Kansas City, Buffalo. But that plus 66, it's obviously way better than the pathetic Browns with a point differential of negative 11. But it's also higher than the Titans at plus 52, higher than the football team at plus six, higher than the Bears, higher than the Rams, higher than the Cardinals. So, no, they're not like at the level of the top teams in the league. But I do not think this was a fraudulent 10-6. and 6. They did not win a lot of close games like the 2016 Dolphins did. They beat up the teams they won. The games they won, they beat up on teams. They beat your Jets decisively both times. They didn't have any like close games against Jacksonville like Cleveland did. Every time they won, they won decisively. So that's why I don't think their 10-6 and 6
1: record was fraudulent. And I think their point differential backs that up. And a lot of that has to do with, with scoring defense, which, you know, New England last year had the best scoring defense, and it wasn't sustainable. That's, that's, it was not sustainable. That's true.
0: That's true. I won't deny that. Um, the one point I want to make quickly, too, is the only game I can think of that the uh, Dolphins won that was close was obviously that thrilling um, game on the Saturday night against the Raiders, but then again, I credit, and, and the Cardinal one, but I, like, I credit poor clock management on the Raiders' part. Like, that has nothing to do with the Dolphins. It's just something I want to add in, but... No, I agree with everything you said, Big Rat, about the Dolphins. Like, look, you're going to have all that money, but then... I know 30 mil's not a lot, but then if you have those, like, small guys who come off the books, like the small fries, like Danny said, those small fries can go such a long way into, you know what, clearing up an extra 5 to $10 million so you can go out there and sign someone and add someone. Um, I also, even though draft, you guys could have drafted Jefferson, I do like the Austin Jackson pickup in the draft last year. I feel like he's helped the offensive line out. Um... Shit.
2: He's super young too. We drafted
0: him when he was 20 years old. Exactly. So there's like with Miami going forward, there's nowhere to look but up. Um, but I have a hot take right now that I think Danny may or may not get mad at, and it's this: Don't get rid of Sam Darnold just because there's a shiny new toy on the sideline. Wait and, see, and wait and see who you hire as head coach first, and then decide. Let let Joe Douglas make the decision. But if you look at Darnold's, uh, because I want to transition to the Jets before we get into the coaching carousel and wildcard. oh, and plus some uh, new quarterback drama in the NFL. Um, Remember, Sam Darnold's two coaches were Todd Bowles, who took stuff very conservatively and wasn't the best, and then we all know the Adam Gase debacle, which 9-23, not attractive. But that's just my two cents on the whole Jets situation. I want to get Big Rat's take, actually Danny's take, and then we'll get Big Rat's take. But I just want to say that, look, if you guys can draft like Pene Suelle, like where you get him and Beckton on the line together, add in some weapons in there. You know what? Maybe get like a Chris Olave with your late first-round pick from Seattle because it's probably going to be somewhere closer to 30 than 20. Um, That's just my take on it. Like, look, I understand Fields is there, or even Lawrence. But I'm just saying don't give up on hope on Darnold just yet. And it's also not like to – Darnold wasn't a sixth-round pick. It's on a Gardner-Minshew thing. He was third overall. So that's what I'm saying, like – As badly as you want to get rid of Darnold, I'm just here to say, don't be so rushing to kick him out, kick him to the curb.
1: Yeah, no, I I mean, I'm not going to get mad at that. I've seen enough out of that uh, from Jeff fans, but I mean, I I get both points. My my problem with it is, you know, the head coach you're interviewing isn't going to want to come. You're going to get a a, a C rated coach who doesn't want to come here and fix Sam Darnold. He wants to start fresh, get his new guy. And go from there and develop him like that. Joe Douglas doesn't have ties Sam Darnold. The head coach doesn't wanna go and have a revival project. Um my thing with Sam Darnold, listen, man, I've watched every game of this guy's career. And his rookie season gave you promise. His second season was very overrated by this fan base, including myself, because I really thought he was gonna take that next step this year. And then this year was just God-awful. And a lot of people want to go, oh, he didn't have the receivers. He didn't have the time in the pocket. He did. He had open guys consistently all year long. The guy's processing rate and his decision-making has still not advanced to the level it needs to be at year three as a quarterback. So if you do stay with Sam Darnold, you're taking a gamble... Not only is Joe Douglas taking a a gamble with his GM career, because if Justin Fields goes to, you know, say, Atlanta, Carolina, and lights up the league, or Zach Wilson, you look dumb for staying with Darnold and having him not pan out. And then you're out of a quarterback, or you're going to pay his year five uh, option to still not know. So my problem with that is I just don't think a coach, and especially the GM who did not draft him, are gonna wanna risk their futures on a guy you still don't have answers to. Uh yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna try to like limit what I say in this one because obviously I wanna hear like more from Danny on this stuff. Uh my instinct is kinda what Danny said also. Like what if, like Danny, here's a question. As a Jets fan, if a year from now you are where the bears are with Mitchell Trubisky, like how would you feel about that? That's exactly what I'm scared of. Yeah. I wouldn't feel I wouldn't feel good at all. Because, like, even – it's at the point where, like, his numbers are so bad that even if he does have a good year, it's still just one good year. And you don't want to be like the Jaguars where Blake Bortles was terrible and then he had that one good year in 2017 where his numbers I – and mean, it wasn't just the defense. Like, if you look at his numbers, his numbers were kind of solid that year. They were kind of middle of the road. And then they gave him an extension and, like, instantly regretted it. I just – it's tricky. It's tricky. Uh, I don't really know what the answer is because – with these quarterbacks like as we just saw with the dolphins and all these other teams it's just like it's really hard for rookies to be good early on it just is like herbert watson Dak, cam newton like that's kind of the list it's just so yeah i mean i could totally see a world where you pass on darnold you send darnold to a smart franchise like the colts or something and Darnold starts playing well and your rookie quarterback is like struggling a little bit just because he's a rookie and that'll probably annoy you and annoy the fan base, but you got to think big picture. I, the only, Absolutely. The last thing I'll say on this is I, I don't think it's, and like like you said yourself, it's not all Adam Gase because Tannehill under Adam Gase, he was worse than what he is in Tennessee, but he was never this bad. You could argue the Jets' situation is worse than the Dolphins' situation, which is, I think is fair, but how come Joe Flacco this year, under the same Adam Gase that ruins everything, kind of looked better than Darnold in the few games he played. So,
0: and that's also, the one
2: that would make me wonder that maybe the excuse that it was all Gase, like it was all Gase. That was that. That's actually a top ten quarterback hidden in there somewhere. I don't know. I just
0: don't know. Um. Also, yeah, I wanted to add in two and almost beat the fucking Patriots on Monday Night Football. Yeah, I played well. It wasn't a fluke. Yeah, play. yeah. I played well. Joe, Joe Flacco
1: definitely had the best uh, game this season as a just quarterback with that patriots game. 100%. Sam Darnold, I think I think Sam Darnold threw for over 250 one time this year. This whole entire year. You this say. Is embarrassing.
0: Um Danny, do you have anything else to add to that by the yeah. way?
1: Um I mean, if-, if we're talking draft picks where I think we should go with the pick, I know this Deshaun News just came out and that that's, that's going to be you know, the new talk of the town for until it happens. Um, I think they're going to look at that really hard. But Joe Douglas has said it multiple times. He wants to build a team through the draft. But if, 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 if the Texans are asking for two overall, the Seattle pick and a one next year, which would probably you try to give him the Seattle pick, and maybe, you know, like a third or something like that, I think you got to look at that with the cap space you have, knowing you're guaranteed to get an elite franchise quarterback, top five quarterback, you know, done deal. Um, my problem is, I don't, I don't know if he pulls the trigger on it. Personally, I'm, I haven't made a decision on it. I wouldn't be mad or happy either way. It would just have to sit on me.
0: Um, one other question I want to ask you quickly. Um, who in real, like, just, I just want you to be realistic with me. As I actually look at Sam Darnold's stats, yeah, like his best game was uh, like 215 I'm seeing so far. Yeah, like every game, yeah, his stats are not good. So I take back, I kind of take back what I said. Is there an ideal candidate you want for head coach, or is there like someone that you're hoping they go out there and get? Like who would like.
1: Yes. Yeah, so with head coach, um, I know they're keeping the college guys on the low. There hasn't been anything reported as far as like college people coming out. You want Matt Campbell, don't you? Yeah, you can't. You cannot deny how that guy rebuilt Iowa State and made him incredible, bro. Like you can't. The, the guy. You, you, you listen to the guy. And you just hear him talk to the team, and you just buy in. Like the culture that guy brings is what I want for my professional football team. So if if you can get him on the phone for an interview, like you can't. You can't mess that up. You can't mess that up. If I had to go NFL ranks. Um, I'm going Brian Dable. You know, what he did for Josh Allen, turning him into like an MVP candidate, I know he's not going to win MVP, obviously, but, you know, the strikes that, that guys need, you know, you got to give Brian D- Dable a lot of credit for that. So, you know, I would want my rookie quarterback developed under
0: him. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with that because, like, Brian Dable good, but the other guy I look at too for the Jets' job potentially is uh, Arthur Smith. Just another good NFL offensive mind, because the day ball is going to be that tricky domino where you don't know where he's going to go. But even too, there's so many teams out there who need uh, head coaches. Like if you just look at the list, like the list is pretty long this year. Six, six is. Uh, I'm not going to say long, but six is a very uh, interesting number of uh, head coaches. Just give me a second here, folks. As I just okay, that was just big rat. Are you guys both there still? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Kk, okay, okay, cool. I didn't hear you for a sec. Um, I got to talk about this Deshaun Watson drama, because this came out tonight of how he's not happy about the Nick Casario hire, which I understand. I'm a Casario guy. I like him. Obviously, his drafting history wasn't the best, but he comes from the New England organization. But I don't know how they gave him such big money when they have such cap trouble, and now there's this Deshaun Watson stuff coming out. Like, I don't... This is a... This is a franchise that was... Remember this, like they're having a fall, like the Jacksonville Jaguars did three years ago, where you know they make the AFC Championship game and they're that mile, the miles Jack uh, fumble away from potentially going to the Super Bowl. Now look at look Houston, they're up twenty four nothing last year, literally a year ago. This coming Tuesday to Kansas City, up twenty four nothing in Arrowhead. Now they're four and twelve, and their potential franchise quarterback could want out. So. This is a pretty bad fall from grace if the Texans do uh, have to get rid of Watson.
2: I think it's kind of like um, like Danny's Jets gave Joe Douglas a six-year contract, too. I think it's partly when you're trying to get a GM candidate to take over a situation that dire, like the Texans not having a lot of draft picks. The Jets had just fired McCagnin after the draft. There was a lot of instability, and the Jets have a history, you know, of – shaky ownership firing guys and all that i think joe douglas like probably needed that sixth year guaranteed so he could have the assurance that he would have time to do his job it's, it's a hell of a lot harder to fire a guy after two years when he's got six years committed to him instead of five or four so and like i remember kyle shanahan when he took the 49ers job because nowadays we view the niners as like oh they were in the super bowl last year they're like a typical solid organization they had three coaches in three years they had, they got rid of Jim Harbaugh, one of the best coaches in the NFL at the time. They just didn't want him anymore. Then they fired Trent Baalke. I mean, not Trent Baalke.
0: Uh, Jim Tom Sula. Jim Tom Sula. Yeah, they fired Tom Sula after a year. Then the next year, they wanted to
2: fire Trent Baalke, and they felt obligated to fire Chip Kelly as well, so the new GM could pick his own guy and all that. So they fired Chip Kelly, and then so Shanahan at the time he agreed to that job, and he wanted six years, and I imagine it was for the same thing. You just had three head coaches in three years. You need to prove that you have some organizational stability if you want me to come to you. Give me six years so I have more assurance that I'm not going to lose my job after a year or two. So I think for Casario, being a Belichick disciple and all that, he probably thought, you know, the Texas organization has done some weird things lately. If you want me to come and help, I'm willing, but I want that security of the extra year to to know that I'll have time. Is he worth it? I don't know. We didn't know if Joe Douglas was worth it. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. But the fact that the Texans, it's not just a Casario. Apparently, Albert Breer reported today that Deshaun specifically wanted them to interview Eric Bieniemy. They didn't have to hire him. They just wanted them to interview him. And, you know, Deshaun and Patrick Mahomes are really close. And Mahomes apparently told Deshaun, like, nothing but fantastic things about Bieniemy, a lot of really high praise. And so I think all Deshaun wanted was for them to at least interview him, just so in every relate, marquine once said this on an episode of YouTube Take a few years ago when Wes Walker had his falling out with the Patriots like in every relationship you just want to feel the love that you provide in the other direction and Deshaun Watson who loves the team loves the franchise they don't have to hire his guys he just wants them to show the consideration that they're hearing him out by at least giving these guys interviews so he knows he's at least part of the process and they wouldn't even do that and I think it's pretty pathetic for an organization the little thing, like you know, People out here fucking interviewing Jason Garrett and Marvin Lewis, it's like the littlest thing to interview the enemy. They don't have to hire him, and they couldn't even do that. So I don't blame them for being mad. I
0: really don't. I still also believe that the Rooney Rule is one of the biggest bullshit covers ups in NFL history of how they had to put a rule in place, or even this year how they had to go, oh, we want you to hire uh, more minority candidates. It's like, well, just do it. Like You don't have to promote people doing it. Like The fact that you have to do it – looks really bad on the NFL I don't mean to bring race into this I'm just saying I've said this before where it's the biggest elephant in the room like even too with the whole Raiders thing from a few years ago where oh they do they, they hire, they'll hire they'll interview someone just for the hell of it just like you're not getting the job but we're still going to talk to you but yeah with the enemy like I don't know why the Texans would hire him the fact that Jason Garrett was got that interview with the Chargers just baffles my mind uh, because, look, you, I think that's a job where you need the best offensive mind out in L.A. Because if, I'll get into this later, but if you get a proper offensive mind out to L.A., they're making the playoffs next year. That is a take I will stand by right now. As for, um, the enemy situation with Houston or even with Watson, like, where do you guys stand? Like, do you actually think he's going to try to get out? Or do you think he's going to stick it, like, stick through?
1: I think if, um... If, if they bring in Josh McDaniels for head coach, I think he's gonna he's gonna force his way out. I don't know if that will happen, but I've, I've definitely heard, I've saw that on Twitter. Uh, it was pretty logical with what they're doing. Um, as far as where he's gonna go, I mean, listen, man. I know we have a lot of holes and we need these draft picks, but you can't say the Jets they they would listen to the Jets first because they have the most to offer. So if the Jets decide to pass on that, um. How can you not say like a team like San Francisco? That, that that's just a match made in heaven right there. Uh, I I that would make perfect sense to me.
2: I I think it will depend because from what I read from the Josh McDaniels report, it wasn't just Josh McDaniels. It was like Adam Gase
0: like, and Matt Patricia. Patricia,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah Patricia and Gates. Which is, it, it, yeah. that would be, that would be like an NFL Twitter dream. Like oh. if all three of those guys were running a team. At, the same time like everyone would just be losing their minds every week <laughs> uh i don't I, it sounds like uh, john mcclain uh from the houston uh, chronicle yeah yeah and a very well respected guy like the the kind of the voice of the houston texans he doesn't think the mcdaniel's thing is going to happen for whatever that's worth i know there were other reports that it might and they obviously hired casario so it's easy to draw that connection you get the sense according to him that it's not gonna be mcdaniel's so there's that um i force his way out i mean it's kind of like this isn't the nba like i know carson palmer did it but to force your way out you have to be okay with taking suspensions taking fines like because he's so good it's not like if he was like a jared goff level quarterback then a team could just be like okay well this isn't worth it like it's not worth the drama it is worth the drama with Deshaun. so i don't know like it would take a lot is he willing to sit out like week one of the regular season next year to really prove to them that he's not playing for them anymore. And if you do that, like, you're going to piss off some teammates. Like, these guys always talk about how they're brothers and they want to play for each other. Like, I think that won't – Deshaun – that just doesn't seem in Deshaun's personality. Um, so I don't know if he – I don't know if he's going to go all the way with it. But if they, if they keep ignoring him, you know, it's definitely something that very well could happen. And if it does, I mean – yeah, you can go to a lot of different places. Hell, you can call the Dolphins. I mean, I love Tua, but Tua and a pick or something for Deshaun, I'll fucking do that in a heartbeat. <laughs> like, and I love my quarterback. It's just, you know, a bird in hand is better than two in the bush. Unless your quarterback prospect is Trevor Lawrence specifically, you should always try to be okay with trading your young quarterback for a proven elite one like Watson. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. It just, to me, it doesn't seem like it's in his personality to do what it's going to take to really make him – forced out, which would be to really like really implode the offseason. Really, like get a lot of negative headlines. Like, I just don't know. That doesn't seem like the shot to me, but that's just my guess.
0: Um personally I I I don't think he's gonna do that whole like, oh, he shows up to training camp and he's just not participating or anything like that. I think if he's just genuinely not happy, or if they don't hire the right head coach, then I think you're gonna start hearing more conversation about him just wanting out, like, look, the Hopkins stuff was like came out of nowhere last year. I remember I had to look at my phone again and go, like, wait, what? Like, you, like, I was almost in disbelief. But like this time, if it happens, like, people aren't going to be surprised. But we'll have to see where this goes because I think there's a there's a bunch of teams out there that could really use his services. Um half the Yeah, ha, and half the league literally, I think, will drop their quarterback at the drop of a dime and be like, yeah, we, we'll take him, sure. Like, there's only like I think a handful of teams that wouldn't per se. Um, we can talk about some more head coaches later, but or would you rather talk head coaches now, or do you guys want to get into playoff talk?
2: We can we can do head coaches like quickly and
0: then go to playoffs probably. All right, cool. Um, I just want you guys to. I'm just going to say a team, and I want you guys to answer me who you think will end up there. We'll start with, or also to um, not there. Um, before that, who is the most attractive head coaching pos- like position right now? Like for team wise. Oh, I wait
2: for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just the the young quarterback, the, the you know, the really good situation. If not LA, I would actually say Jacksonville. Um, it's not just because of Tre- it's not just because of Trevor Lawrence. It's it's that they have so many picks. They have the most draft picks in the NFL this year. So even after first overall, they do have like a large capital pool to build off of, and they have a lot of young players that they took last year that are still growing. Guys like. C.J. Henderson, Caleb on Chason, LaVisca Chenault. Like, they, they obviously still have Jack. That's a cornerstone from a few years ago. Like,
0: I, Chark as well from a few years before that. Like, they have a lot of good young players. Robinson. Well, you I, did see that, that, that Chad Khan said he was going to have roster control, correct? Yes, but we don't know what that – like,
2: I, I want to see what that looks like. Like, because – Having a final say on the 53 and like literally being in charge of the draft, Jerry
1: Jones style are two different things. So regardless, I think that's Urban Meyer's job regardless. So I think that's the answer there. And it would obviously come with personnel control.
2: Yes, that, that's probably true. But after that, I would say LA. Um,
0: yeah, because just the better young quarterback. Um, and, uh, we, don't, we don't know what's going to happen with Matt Ryan yet. So that's another thing. Where do you guys, who do you guys like, who do you think will end up getting the LA job? Like, or if you had the pick.
1: I'd pick. I would go. Uh, I would go there. I would have to. I would think. I would think that they would prefer.
2: Uh, this or not? I would think they would prefer an offensive coach. Um, for all the obvious reasons. It's already awkward enough that they're going to be making Herbert learn a new system. That was the one downside to firing Lynn. I think we all agree that it needed to be done, but the downside to that is now Herbert's going to have to learn a second system in two years and all that. The thing that Daniel was talking about with Tua. So I would think you would want as good of an offensive mind as possible to make the transition easier and to make him keep growing. And I do think I'm with you guys that I think Dable is the uh, top name. Um, I, I was with Dan. Like I know Danny wants him for the Jets. He would be my choice for like any team. Uh, but I think I think. Chargers,
0: probably. Same. I'm saying with Dayball for there. Uh, We already said... I know Danny said Jacksonville uh, for Urban Meyer. I think it'll happen. I just don't know if it's a long-term option for there. What do you think, Big Rat? It'll
2: depend on... You know, like, it'll depend on how how the rigors... How he handles the rigors of the NFL. Like, you have some guys who, like, really like it and wish they could have done it sooner. And like Like, I think Matt Rule, from everything we hear... He's loved the transition to the NFL from college. He's really happy with it. Like, he could do it for a long time. He wishes he did it sooner. With Urban Meyer, he's so much older that it's it all going to depend. Like, how does he handle the stress of the day-to-day? Like, not to, we're not going to talk about this again, but the Chan Gailey stuff, A one Dolphins reporter said today that one of the reasons why he wanted to leave was that it was really stressful being the offensive coordinator during the COVID year. That at Chan Gailey in his late 60s, it was kind of exhausting like to deal with all the protocols and stuff like that. And some of that might still be around. So we'll we'll see. We'll see if he can handle the day-to-day stress that is involved with being an NFL head coach. But I think he'll do well if he wants it.
0: No, I agree. I agree with that too. Um, what was one thing I was – because the only thing I got to wonder though with the Chargers is if they did keep uh, Shane Steichen on board. Because I think even if under a new head coach, I think if you still have Steichen and Pep Hamilton, I think that really helps you because I know they did lose uh, – Gus Bradley, and uh, yeah, never mind. Uh, It's the whole entire offensive staff is completely vacant for 2021. So that's coordinator, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receiver, tight end, and offensive line coach all vacant for 21. Um, I just want to say that with the Chargers quickly. But for Jacksonville, it's intriguing, but we'll see. Uh, What about Danny's Jets? Since we already said Dave off of the Chargers, Danny, who else could you see? You're probably guessing you're going Uh, Matt Campbell. from From a name I haven't said... You can say Campbell if you want to. I know I'm just saying you can't say Dayball because no. you, we said Dayball for yeah, L.A. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, I just don't know if Campbell's taking interviews. Either uh, Pat Fitzgerald, I don't think he's taking interviews. But they, they were both rumored names, you know, going into this. Uh, as far as who they've interviewed, though, I would have to go with – um, what's the, what's the coast defensive coordinator's name? Salah? Yeah, oh. I've heard really, really good things about him. Uh, I think he's a possibility. I would say Salah, but I think he's going to go to Detroit. Yeah, you know, you know, um, just someone someone, someone with like a CEO, like a guy that they're looking for, like a CEO culture builder. That's what we need. We don't need a coordinator, a a schematic coordinator. We've done that. It hasn't worked. We just need a guy who's going to build a culture here. The the Jets running
2: one year behind the Dolphins on their realizations. The Dolphins realized they needed to move on from Gase in 2018. The Jets two years too, too late to come to the same realization. And when the Dolphins fired Gase, that's the same thing they said. They wanted a culture builder. They didn't want like a coordinator specifically. I know Flores is famous for like his defensive acumen, but they thought he would be a good like culture locker room guy. They hired him before before they went on that Super Bowl run, like reportedly.
0: Because I think I think I think he literally was introduced as the head coach the day after the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't they, think he was at the dock parade for fifth, the Super Bowl Fifty Three win. Yeah, so they weren't they weren't just
2: they weren't just like. Like ring chasing the coordinator that won the Super Bowl. They made that decision before all that stuff happened. Be based on the basis of being a culture builder. So I'm with Danny. Eberflus uh, would make sense in that regard. I think that that would probably fit Eberflus a little more than it would fit Arthur Smith. Um, so yeah, that makes sense to me.
0: I was going to say Arthur Smith for there, but you guys are kind of changing my mind. I'm going to go Eberflus as well. Um, I think we all agree, and so. For for Detroit more, I, I I know I said Sol I said Sala before with the Jets, but I thought I heard coordinator defensive coordinator. I didn't hear the Colts part. My bad. Uh, with Detroit, I think it'll be Robert Sala, but I wouldn't be shocked if Pat Fitzgerald's name comes up for that job too, because Detroit's probably the lowest uh, name on that totem pole for all the coaching jobs.
2: Yeah, yeah. Pat, Pat apparently Pat Fitzgerald was offered the Packers job, or if not offered, like was seriously considering it like, late in the interview process or something. And he turned it down because he still wanted to spend time with his family. So I don't know if, like, a year later it's changed or it hasn't changed, but that would make a lot of sense if he wanted it. By, by all the reports I read, if the Bears had fired Matt Nagy, which I guess could still happen, although let must be realistic, it probably won't since they just made the playoffs. If the Bears had fired Matt Nagy, the rumor is he would have absolutely taken that job because it's in Illinois, he wouldn't have to move his family and all that. Um so that that would be something to watch, like, next year if he doesn't get a job now. But I like Sala for Detroit.
0: And I think Danny said the same thing, too, with that. And, uh, yeah, I, I said Sala. Yeah, and what about Atlanta? Um,
1: I mean, we really haven't said anything about the enemy yet, getting a job. I don't know if you guys said Texans or not, but, you know, he's going to get a job. He, he's been in the, in, the, in these league circles for, what, like two years now he's been getting interviews. I think, um, I think Atlanta might go there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm reading I'm reading on CBS who they've requested. So they've requested to interview Raheem Morris.
2: I don't think that's going to happen. I think you guys would agree. Yeah. And then Salah, we already crossed his name off. And then the only other names they have are Arthur Smith, enemy and Joe Brady uh, from Carolina. So uh, I don't know what they will do. It sounds like, according to this report, they... Rick Smith has a real good chance to win the GM job. So Rick Smith, the former Texans GM, uh, maybe he has a a specific preference for any one candidate, but I don't know who that would favor. So I I guess it's fine. I I think Biennemi and Arthur Smith should both get jobs. So I'll put Biennemi here.
0: I'm going to put Biennemi there as well. Another name I saw people circling for that job, but I do not buy it, is Todd Bowles. Yeah, I saw that, too. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I want to say, too, out of all the coaches that were fired or let go this past offseason, I do believe that both Gus Bradley and Anthony Lynn will find coordinator jobs elsewhere. The name I heard for Bradley quickly is uh, Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, that, and that would make a lot of sense.
2: Yeah. yeah it makes sense.
0: And also, too, with Lynn, don't be surprised if the Bills come calling his name if they lose Brian Dayball. Yeah. No, I mean, he... He was there for a long time uh, with with Rex. Uh, yeah, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. And then Houston, uh, I think that's like at the low man on the totem pole. If I had to put a name there, I'm gonna say Arthur Smith for that. And as for Joe Brady, I think he'll get sniffs this year, but I think it's 22 where he's seriously more considered for a head coaching job. Because the one option I was saying for him, and because I already can tell you like a few places I think coaches are gonna be on the hot seats going for next year. And that's Philadelphia, Chicago, Cincinnati, and Denver. Chicago,
2: Cincinnati, Philadelphia, Denver.
1: Yeah, that's about right.
0: Yeah, I don't know why.
1: Um, yeah, for me, for, 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 for Houston, I think uh, I think you've got to get a defensive guy in there. You know, their defense was dead last awful, and that's that's really why they were so bad. Um, I don't know why Wink Martindale, he was supposed to get a lot of interviews, but I don't think he's been getting any at all, which is yeah. weird. Um, you know, he, he would have been a nice guy for the Jets as well. But uh, I think he would be a good fit, fit there to, you know, his, his schemes in Baltimore have been crazy good for the past three years. I think that he's been a coordinator. So yeah, I would they, go there. If not, I, I still really think they go Josh McDaniels. Well, I'm looking at their interviewed
2: candidates. They interviewed Jim Caldwell and Marvin Lewis. Um, Marvin Lewis is the only defensive name here. Aside from, they did also put in a request with Gerard Mayo. Uh, oh. Whoa! Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. So that's that's interesting. Um, for a head coaching job, uh, he's not even the play caller in, in New England, is he? Isn't it just it, Steve Belichick it, and Bill? It's Steve Belichick, which, in all honesty, I know he's being groomed for defensive coordinator. But if his da- if Bell does retire and McDaniel's is gone, I wouldn't be shocked if that's Steve's job in like five to ten years. Yeah, and I, I mean. That, that Belichick
2: name is just so associated with that franchise. It's going to be hard to move off of that, too. So, But yeah, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to put Arthur Smith here just because Albert Breer... I, I agree with Danny about getting a defensive-minded guy, but Arthur Smith, he knows the Texans very well, having been in the division and all that. Arthur Smith, according to Breer, is being interviewed by every single team. And not only is that the only candidate this year to do that, but apparently that's a really rare thing... Generally, you never get a candidate interview with all six teams, so it just, it, it's just—it's hard for me to believe that he's not going to get a job. So I'm going to put him here at a division rival. Um, you could take out one of the up, like you could take out like Eberflus from the Jets and give Arthur Smith to the Jets, and then put Eberflus here if you want. That would also make sense. But yeah, I, I do think Arthur Smith get the job, and I do think that's going thats going to hurt the Titans a lot. Because his play calling is the key to kind of how their offense like really exploded. Even Derrick Henry, not just Daniel, Derrick Henry wasn't lighting the world on fire until he got there. He had a really strong end to the season with the floor, but he took off as like, the best running back in
0: the um, Not sure what happened there, folks. Um, <laughs> I'm still here. Uh, yeah,
1: you're,
0: you're still yeah, here. here. All right, Big Right, I- you still there? Yeah, Yeah, I will yeah, just close to the saying Nolan Smith and I think that's going to matter for the future. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But anyway, boys, uh we've been talking for a while, but are we ready to talk some uh actually I was realizing there's yeah, there's playoff games. I there we got to uh talk some uh playoff football.
1: Yeah, I finally got
0: to it. I finally got to it. But you know what? We had to uncover a lot of uh stuff cuz like end of the season, you know, we had a lot of baggage to uncover, but now we get to talk some games. Uh, look at this! It's like like right now. This is the hot ones meme come to life of Paul Rudd going, "Hey, look at us!" And it's like three people whose teams are on the outside looking and talking about the teams that are on the inside. Um, let's start it off in the order: Bills versus Colts. How are we feeling about this one? Um, surprisingly,
1: I'm gonna go with the upset here. I'm gonna go with the Colts. I don't really love. I don't love it because I really don't trust Philip Rivers like that. But. Jonathan Taylor behind Derrick Henry has been the best running back in the second half of the NFL. Um, you know, if you really watch what he's doing, um, I think he can carry the team on his back. If Philip can just not turn the ball over, which is hard to say, you know what I'm saying. But if he can not turn the ball over, I think it's going to be a low scoring game, and I think they pull away by a field goal. Crazy take, but that's that's my pick. It's not that crazy, and
2: uh, I I should not be on the outside looking in. I should be having my team playing this weekend, but we can't always get what we want. Uh, I got the Bills. I I, I do think the Colts are, I don't think this is going to be like the games where the Bills, the past four weeks, they've been blowing everybody out. I don't think that happens here. I think the Colts' defense actually matches up decently well with the Bills. I was reading an article today that, you know, the Colts, they mainly play zone defense, which is normally death in today's NFL. Like, you need to play man, because the quarterbacks can, quarterbacks like Brady, like, find the holes in zones all the time. But for whatever reason, the Bills' offense, they've been destroying man coverage teams. That can explain why they beat up on the Dolphins so much. But they've been struggling a little more against zone teams this year. So maybe this is the kind of defense that could actually slow them down a bit. But I kind of, I do think, I think Rivers is a great quarterback. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I just think at this stage of his career, his arm isn't what it was. It's outdoors. It's in the cold. I do think the Bills' offense is going to be slowed down a bit. But I think Phillip Rivers is probably going to have two interceptions And Taylor's going to play well, but I think the Bills pull it
0: out. Close one. Colts cover though. How about that? Um, I have the opposite, actually. I have the Bills winning, but the – let me just double check. I actually messaged a buddy about this today because he – him and I, like we'd like to talk gambling and all that other stuff. I'm just going to pull up the message right now just to make sure I said, yeah, I think Bills win and they cover six and a half, but I still think it's a close game. If I had to put a score on this, I'm going to say 24 to 17, somewhere in that range, like where Josh Allen does enough to get it done. But the one thing I would like to say, though, is is if the Bills fans finally get into the stadium to watch their team in the playoffs, and they lose, (laughs) I would be so, like, I will be such a jackass on Twitter if that happens. (laughs) Their their best season in 25 years, and they only get to see one game of it, and it's the game where they lose. Hey, that's Bills man. They haven't won since 95 in the playoffs. I was two.
1: 92?
0: I was two years old. Oh,
1: you yeah. too.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, Seattle versus L.A. I want to go in on this first. I'm going to say I'm picking Seattle, but the story of if John Walford were to win this game, like, my God. Like, it just makes a Jared Goff contract look even worse. Um, I don't have much to say. Like, both offenses are suspect, but when it comes to defenses for as good as the Rams have been – the Seahawks defenses have been playing a lot better lately. I think Pete Carroll's got his boys clicking. I'm gonna go. I think this is another low-scoring game, but a little higher than before. Uh, I'm gonna go 27 to 21. Uh, Seahawks win.
1: Yeah, man. Listen, McVay. McVay's had Seattle's number since he came to LA. Uh, I think his record is like ridiculously like high or something. I think he's lost, like, what, one or two
0: games to them? Two. Yeah, one, there. one was this oh, yeah, year, so. and one was the Zerline missed kick on Thursday Night Football last year. Yeah, okay, there you go.
1: So, um, I mean, I, I really would love the Rams to win, you know, specifically for the Jets draft pick and how they fucked us out at number one as well, so they can at least make it up by beating Seattle. We get a low 20s pick, that'd be fine with me. But... Was, um my, my my heart says that, the Rams, but my head's obviously going to go with Seattle here. They, their defense has been turned it around, like, ridiculously uh, that second half of the season. I'm still not sold that Russell's going to take this team too far this year. But um, as of right now, yeah, I'm going to go in Seattle. Uh,
2: I think there's a chance golf plays. Um, I don't know if it's, like, a big chance or anything, but I was reading Jordan Rodriguez from The Athletic and a few other people on the Rams, It sounds like this could be like a whole hoodwink job by McVeigh, and Goff actually is good to go on Saturday. Um, If Goff does play, though, he's still going to play hurt, especially a hurt thumb for a quarterback. Like, that's kind of a big deal. So I could see Goff playing, but not being 100%. Rams trying to, like, run the ball a lot. Every time Goff does throw, it doesn't come out too pretty. So I also want the Rams to win. I also want the Packers to get the Rams. I think the Packers can win whoever can beat whoever they play except maybe the saints which will i'm sure get to on a future podcast if the matchup even happens uh but i want the packers to face the rams specifically i think that'd be their best matchup and so i'm kind of rooting for the rams in this one for that reason because i want the packers to go all the way uh but i i think the seahawks also probably pull out a close one um i think in my opinion this is the team if golf plays for all the problems the rams have i think this is the underdog most likely to win this weekend I mean, you guys will probably say Tennessee, but I would say this team has the best chance because of how well McVay schemes up against Seattle and because I think golf is probably going to end up playing. So I'll pick the Seahawks in a close one. Rams, upset watch,
0: though. Um, Next up, we have a game that, look, this is probably the first seeding upset but not favorite upset with Tampa and Washington, who can believe it, an NFC East team hosting a playoff game at 7-9. and nine. You know what? I, I can't because the NFC East is trash. Um, I'm going to say this. Bucks win, football team covers, and Chase Young gets to Brady twice. Wow. But a big big factor with this game, I want to say also too quickly, though, is the health of Mike Evans.
1: Yeah, which he's been practicing, so. Yeah, Yeah, I think think he's going to play, too. He might be cold, but I think he'll play. Yeah, um... No man, the, the, for me the the Bucks offense has just been like they're they're clicking now. They're they're on all cylinders right now. They're you know they've been putting up points left and right. I think Pat, uh, Washington's pass defense is very overrated, um, as far as uh, covering. So I think the Bucks cover here. I'm literally starting to favor the Buccaneers for the Super Bowl. I don't know if that's crazy or not, but as of right now, I think they make it out of the NFC. So Bucks I- in the cover. I think the Bucks are still overrated.
2: Um, I think they've been the same team all year. I don't think they've been that different. Like, it's the same script with them. When they play a bad defense that can't rush the passer, they put it up 40. They did this against the Falcons, against the Lions, against the Panthers twice, against the Raiders. Like, this is who they've been all year. Like, Brady, here's the problem with the Bucks. Brady's numbers under pressure are amongst the worst quarterbacks in the league. He's not under pressure very often because their O-line has been playing a lot better the second half of the season. But this is not the generic, every quarterback struggles under pressure. We all know that's true. Mina Kimes reported this. It's not that Brady's numbers get worse under pressure. That's true for everyone. It's that his numbers under pressure are among the worst in the league. It's like Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield, under pressure, level, bad. So I think I think the Bucks are going to win. Um, I would it'd be cool to talk about an upset and all that. The problem is there's apparently rumors that Taylor Heineke is either going to start or is going to rotate with Alex Smith and any Taylor Heineke is involved in any part of this game. (laughs) That is just like, that is just a disaster waiting to happen, especially since the bucks are second in havoc rate in the NFL right now. So either havoc I believe is deduced by either a fumble an interception, a sack or a tackle for loss the highest rate any one of those four outcomes on a, on a given play the Bucks have the second highest rate of that in the league behind the Steelers so against Heineke I mean you're just asking for two picks a fumble like seven sacks like that'd be a disaster so for that reason I don't think the football team will win but I, I'm a little different from Danny I agree the football team's defense is overrated it's also inflated because they play the NFC East a lot so that's also gonna make their numbers look a little better than they actually are so I'm totally with you on that. I don't think the Bucs, what they did against the Falcons and the Lions, all three of those games were in domes. All those games were against the defense that couldn't rush the passer at all. Those are literally like the two worst pass defenses in the league, aside from Houston and your Jets. So I don't know if that's repeatable here because I think it's gonna be outdoors, it's gonna be cold, and I think the Redskins, I mean the football team's D-line can kind of bother Brady for a bit. I think this is gonna be the kind of game where the Bucks have a half where they just, like, really struggle. But then in the other half, they, like, flip a switch and they win this game. But I'm with Griff. I'm going to predict the football team to cover, backdoor cover, with Alex Smith. They'll down 15. Smith will get the touchdown at the end for the backdoor. And I think the first half of the game is going to be close.
0: So that's yeah. what I'll say. The other thing I'm going to say, too, is I do agree with the Bucks being overrated still, just because, like, look, everyone's saying, oh, they're back. They're world beaters. They beat the – uh, if you look at their most recent wins – Panthers, Vikings, but because Dan Bailey couldn't make a field goal, the Falcons, Falcons twice. twice, and the Lions with no coaching. Now, obviously, I know that Matt Patricia was bad, but um, why? Daryl Bevel wasn't terrible with... Um, Daryl Bevel will also have a special place in my heart, if you know, you know. Um <laughs> Literally though, that's the only reason why I'm saying with the Bucs, like the last time the Bucs played a legitimate playoff team, it was LA and they intercepted Brady twice. Yeah, I mean, even
2: even when they played the Bears, like they played they struggled against the Rams, the Chiefs, the Saints twice. Everyone remembers all that. Yeah. They played the Bears, and their offense struggled a lot against the Bears, the eight and eight Chicago Bears. So like, that's just kind of where the Bucks are. Like, when they play these bad teams, they, they won't just win. They'll put up 40, they'll look spectacular, everyone will overrate them. But then they play these defenses that can kind of get in Brady's face a bit, and the offense looks a lot more pedestrian. So, that's kind of how I think this will go down.
0: Yeah. Um, moving on to Sunday afternoon, Baltimore Ravens, Tennessee Titans. I think, personally, this is going to be the game of the weekend, Baltimore-Tennessee, but the only... Big thing everyone's saying is, oh look, Derrick Henry ran 133 on them last time. The biggest notes about that game was that there was no Calais Campbell and there was no Brandon Williams, so Baltimore was out. Two of their biggest pass stuff. were up, not pass, rush stuffers, excuse me. The biggest thing about this game, though, is if Lamar can get over the hump. Like, I wanted to give you guys a quick hypothetical. What do you think is more likely to happen? Derrick Henry rushes for 150 or the Ty- or the Ravens combined... Go for over 200 yards rushing.
1: Ravens combined. Yeah, yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah. Um, also, too, just before you guys get these winners, I actually want to ask you a quick trivia question. Uh, who was the last quarterback who picked first overall to win their first ever playoff game? Picked
1: first overall? Yep. Their first, that they're in their rookie season.
0: No, like in their, in, not in their rookie season, but in their first ever playoff game. Is Who, it
2: is it Eli
0: Manning? You're warm, but no, Alex Smith.
2: Wow. Oh, with San Francisco, yeah, because they, they, he lost his first playoff game with the Chiefs. Yeah. The, the Niners, yeah. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. So that's just one bet, little factor I wanted to throw in here. Um. But with this weekend, though, I think that Lamar proves his critics wrong and the Ravens pull off the win 34-31. to It's just because also, too, at the end of the day, if you ask me to, whose defense do I trust more, I'm going Baltimore just because Tennessee cannot rush the passer right now.
1: Yeah, man. And, they, and with their starters, they almost lost to the Texans week 17. So um, their defense is a little suspect right now. Listen, man, Lamar Jackson with no expectations yeah, he has been a bad man, bro. The past four weeks in the league, um, you know, he ca- he dominated teams and got in the playoffs. You know, they were down and out. What were they, five and seven or something? Or no, I'm sorry, five and six. I yeah. That was their worst record, right? 6 four and six, six five and, six? Five, and six? Six five. Six and five. That yeah. Was their, that was their worst record. Yeah, six and five. Okay, so from that point, that guy's just been. You know he's been doing what Lamar Jackson does, but the league really isn't paying attention. He's not really getting as much coverage as he was last year. And God, granted, I know he was the MVP last year, but you know Lamar with no with with no expectations. I want to see
0: that. I want to see that. Look at what Mahomes did last year. Like, look how Lamar battled COVID this year. Mahomes had the injury last year, came back, took a while, like not a while, but like he got his footing. I was saying this in August. I think I said this to Big Rat. I was like, look. I think that the Baltimore Ravens have a chance to go deep this year because they're gonna have a shaky year, like they did, and then they get in the playoffs, and then they they fuck shit up. Like, look at what Kansas City did last year. No one thought the Kansas City Chiefs were gonna go to the Super Bowl. They just because of all the stuff they went through. Oh, it's Baltimore's year. Like in 2018, it was Kansas City's year. Last year's Baltimore's year. Now everyone's saying, hey, it's Buffalo's year to go on. Like I know Kansas City is 14 and two and has the bye, but Buffalo has looked like these world beaters the last month. I'm just saying that right now, and I agree 100% with Danny, that the uh, Raven, like that, the Ravens win no expectations. That's when you let them cook, and that's when you let them get loose. Because if you let them do that and they succeed, I wouldn't be shocked if they upset some teams and end up making their way to the AFC Championship game, or even Tampa Bay, where they won their first Super Bowl. I, um, I'll disagree slightly with
2: everyone else. So I don't disagree at all with the Ravens' long-term upside. I'm with you guys on that. I also think the Ravens win this game. I'm with everyone on that. They've been awesome the past month. Lead the NFL in point differential, like I mentioned. It's the biggest point. Difference. It's what we talked about last week in the podcast. It's very. It's, it's similar to the Bucs. Like when they play a bad team, they just like crush them. Like it's never close. It's like an ass kick, which is not always true of the Bucs, Actually, they had a close game against the Falcons a few weeks ago. But nonetheless, I think. Uh, I think the Titans' defense is going to play a little better than people think. I know it is a terrible defense. They actually have the worst third-down defense in NFL history, believe it or not.
0: It's not just lost in the league. It's the worst ever of all time. Yeah, Pittsburgh so, converted. – I'm sorry to cut you off, but I believe in the game against Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh converted like 11 for like 14 or something crazy like that on a third down. Yeah, it's their third-down conversion percentage is at 51%. Jesus so Christ.
2: Yeah, literally, more more often than not, if it's third and whatever against the Titans, you're going to convert. Uh, the problem, My one concern is kind of like matchup specific. I just think, I do think the Titans kind of match up well with Baltimore. I, I think it's not a coincidence that they've beaten them twice, because the Titans have really good linebackers, and I think they, the way to beat the Ravens, I think, is you have to play zone, and you have to stuff the middle of the field, and you need really good linebackers who can both like be okay in coverage, but also have their face at the quarterback, not their backs to the quarterback, and are fast enough to catch Lamar if he gets out of the pocket. So I don't think it's a coincidence that the Titans, with Rashawn Evans and Jalen Brown and Landry, like, do a decent job against Baltimore every time they play them. So for that reason, I understand that their third-down defense is terrible. They got destroyed by the Browns. They got destroyed by the Texans. And so I think everyone's expecting them to just like give up forty. Uh, I don't think it's quite gonna be like that. I think they have matchup advantages over Baltimore, and it's not because Baltimore's a choker or anything like that. I just think they match up well with them that I think the defense is gonna gonna play a little better than people think. But I also think the Ravens defense I just the, the reason why I was with Danny on your rushing prop question is I just can't see Derrick Henry getting like two hundred yards here. He didn't even really kill them in the in the first matchup this year. Like he he kinda had like a mediocre game and then he just had like a long run in overtime to inflate his numbers, like he was struggling through three quarters. I think they're going to sell out. I think Calais Campbell and Derek Wolfe, who they signed in the offseason, they signed for this very specific purpose to fix the problems they had defending Henry in the playoffs last year. And I think Campbell's going to play. I could be wrong on that, but I know he didn't practice on but I think he's going to play. That I think they're going to slow down Henry. I think they're going to give Tannehill some problems. And I think it's going to be like a, like a 27-24 kind of game. Uh, but I think I do think Baltimore
0: pulls it out. I have uh, 34 to 31. I'm not sure if I said that before. Uh, next up, New Orleans, Chicago, and Also also, before actually we move on to New Orleans, Chicago. Just a side note: Tom Rinaldi will be working the LA Seattle game this weekend for Fox. His first game under contract with Fox. So, just something I wanted to point out. Um, but speaking of TV, we got New Orleans, Chicago this Sunday afternoon in New Orleans. This game will be available on CBS. Prime Video, and Nickelodeon. So if you guys want to experience a... (laughs) Yeah, you didn't know about that? No. Yeah. It's a thing. It's a thing. The game is going to be on Nickelodeon. Broadcasted by Noah Eagle and Nate Burleson. Noah is the son of Ian Eagle. Um, But it's... I literally want to, like, have the CBS... It's weird, too, that the NFC... One of the NFC wildcard games is CBS. But I want to have the CBS feed on my main TV... But on my laptop, I want to have that Nickelodeon feed just to see what it's like. Yeah, right? I can't even
1: imagine this right
0: now. Like, players are going to get, like, slimed when they get a touchdown and stuff. It's going to (laughs) be so weird. But this is also a thing, too, where I'm saying, this is something that the NFL should be doing, not on Wildcard Weekend, but, like, Week 16. Like, one of those, like, the the, uh, Arizona-San Fran game earlier this year, like, a couple weeks ago. I think this is the game where that's more appropriate. But yeah, I, well, they tried the Amazon Prime thing for the first time, right, with that one? Some people hated it. I didn't mind it, to be honest, because you got three different broadcasts you could listen to. There was the main option. There was the option with Hannah Storm and Adrian Kramer. And then there was, like, a, a different one with, like, I believe, Joy Taylor and Daniel Jeremiah, which I listened to for a bit, and that was the one I liked the most. I, I, yeah,
1: I, Daniel I, Jeremiah
0: is awesome. Yeah. I'm, really, I'm
2: really hoping that, like... I mean, I'm always rooting for a good game. I'm like you, Griff. Like, I'm going to be on my couch. I just want to have fun. I want to enjoy the games. So I'm probably going to play some DFS, too. So I just want, like, fun football. Yeah. But it would be fun. Like, if Trubisky, like, does some terrible things in this game, I think Twitter is going to be hilarious. Like, like, like connecting, like, his terrible interceptions to, like, Nickelodeon, like, I think would be <laughs> really funny. So that, that would. this is, if, if we have to have one blowout, I hope it's this one of all of them. I, I hope we have none
1: if we had to pick one, I hope it's this
0: one. Yeah, which it probably will be. Um, Honestly, I heard Mike Florio say this today, and I would kind of like to see this happen, but I also wouldn't just because uh, I'm very close with Saints fans in my family. Obviously, like I've said, I think I've said this to you guys before, my dad and my sister love the Saints. What if the Saints were to win, like, one of these wacky-ass games, like a New Orleans Miracle where Breeze and Thomas just like – because I think Michael Thomas or even Emmanuel Sanders this Sunday where they have, like, a – uh, just a crazy play to win the game like what if that's the thing the saints need to like get over their hump of like playoff heartbreak the last three years hey
1: they're due that's all you can say is they were due for it due. Yep. Football guys, uh, them
0: this year. yeah like that's one thing i just wanted to throw out there but in all honesty i actually i think the saints will win this game but i do think the bears cover but it's still i like, i think the bears will cover but at the same time too if i were to Actually, if I were to project a blowout for it, in my opinion, it's the next game. But um, with this one right here, if it comes down to, hey, look, who can play better, Drew Brees or Cleo Mack, I'm taking Brees, even though, even, like everyone's saying, oh, he's still banged up. Look, if Alvin Kamara's back and healthy, you're going to have Latavius Murray back. Michael Thomas should play in this game. It's just really hard to pick against the Saints. But I still have a weird feeling that the Bears may get like a, excuse me, a backdoor cover.
1: I, I think the Bears' I think defense, the Saints would win with Taysom Hill. They might. <laughs> they <very laughs> if well might. they had to. If they had to. I know Breeze, Breeze is going to be in there, but if they had to, I think Taysom Hill would even win this game for them.
2: I think the Bears' defense is going to play a little better because, like, they, at the start of the year, it was, like, an elite defense, and then it was kind of middle of the pack, and then they had that stretch where they were kind of kind of a bad defense for a few weeks there. But Jalen Johnson, they're like, second-round cornerback out of, out of uh, Utah, he's he's apparently going to come back, and I think that does make a difference because I think like he he's been playing well, and if you, you add him alongside Fuller and Eddie Jackson and all those other guys in their secondary, I think they can do some havoc. Because even though their defense has been underperforming, it's the playoffs, you know. Like they're going to be motivated, like Khalil Mack and all those boys up front. Like they're gonna they're gonna have like that look in their eye. They're gonna be intense. they I think they can play at a level that's better than they've shown the past two months. So I kind of envision this as a game that the Saints win. But I'm with you, Griff, in that I think the Bears cover because I think the defense is going to give New Orleans some problems. And New Orleans, you know, they've had a lot of moving parts lately. Like Camara didn't play last week. Thomas hasn't played in a few weeks. Like this is kind of the first game where everyone's back. So I think you could see some like slowness there. Uh, So I think the Bears defense is going to give the Saints offense some problems. I I can see us complaining that Drew Brees looks old and all that stuff. But I do think the Saints end up winning. If this doesn't happen, Mitch Trubisky like throws four picks and they get blown out. Like I could see that too. Nick Foles, maybe? Oh, no, God, never again, please. But yeah, I predict the Saints in like a touchdown game.
0: Um, also, something of note too: the last time these teams played, Alvin Kamara only had twelve carries for sixty-seven yards. So, just something of of note they, worth of saying. They
2: always they always slow down Dalvin Cook too. That's kind of their calling card, is they play Dalvin Cook better than other teams. So, maybe that's something that's repeatable.
0: Yeah. But then again, the Saints could easily just uh, have their air attack go wild. So, it's a big wait and see. But anyway, on to the last game. Sunday Night Football. Um, Pittsburgh-Cleveland, like I said, I think this is the unfortunate blowout just because, like Big Rat's been saying, Cleveland is going up against uh a bit, not just Ben but the entire healthy Steeler team and what happened last time these two teams play at full health Steelers wins 36 to 7 in Heinz Field. So yep. I think that the I'm not going to say the score is that crazy high but if I'm going to put a ball on it I'm going to say 34 to 20, 34 to 17 uh Steelers win. I just think at the end of the day Steelers are going to be playing for something. They're going to be playing with purpose, because the Steelers are that team too. Where they kind of limped in, they're limping into the playoffs, and they got they got something to prove.
1: I'm curious to hear Danny defend. Yeah, oh, um, I guess this is my spot where I'm supposed to say the Browns are going to win, right? Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, we guess so. I'm not
1: going to do that. No, no, no. The Browns. They, they, they've had some shitty luck, man, this year. I know Stephenson's going to be out um, on COVID, but even if he was there, I didn't think they had a chance here. But I'm very, very happy that I'll be watching the Cleveland Browns and not the Miami Dolphins this Sunday on my TV. Rightfully so, as it should be. Unfortunately, the Browns go down. The dream is dead. And I don't even love the Browns like that. I just, I just knew that they were, they were better
2: than the Dolphins. That's
1: all. They were not.
2: They were not better than the Dolphins. Like, good lord. Like, I, I'm tired of how many times I have to hear them. In look, in 2016, and I know you're just trying to get a rise out of me. In 2017. <laughs> The Dolphins played the Ravens, and the Ravens won 35-6. to The Ravens, like, beat the living shit out of the Dolphins in the regular season. And the Dolphins made the playoffs, and the Ravens didn't as the seventh seed because the Dolphins just happened to win an extra game. But, like, the Ravens were clearly better than the Dolphins. Like, I knew that. Like, everyone knew that. Like, it didn't matter that the Dolphins advanced further. So, yeah, you're watching the worst team. You're watching worse football. And they don't have their head coach. My team doesn't have any COVID problems, so congrats. Have fun with that. Uh, we would have given Pittsburgh more of a fight than Cleveland would, but yeah, yeah, I don't know about that. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, our defense can actually make Big Ben like have a three interception game, and I don't know if Cleveland's defense is capable of that. Given that fucking Mason Rudolph had 300 yards last week, but I mean, what did Matt what did Matt Barkley do to you guys? The team, the team, the team quit by that point. Look what the Dolphins did against every other. Media. Oh, I don't want
1: to see players in the playoffs.
2: Okay, what happened What happened when they played Jared Goff and when they played Brandon Allen and they played the Jets? Like, they just destroy like, these limited quarterbacks. So, I think the Browns uh, – but, Griff, the last thing I'm going to say on Cleveland is quarterbacks making their first playoff start are, like, really bad. Like, surprisingly so. They're, like – it goes to your point about number one overall picks. It's been so long since they won their first playoff game. I did I, I did some research. Quarterbacks in their first playoff start are like six and twenty against the spread. They're like nine and and a like nine and fifteen straight up. It's like every quarterback that's in their first playoff start like just almost always loses. Always like that's why like if Taylor Heineke starts for the football team, I don't care how good their defense plays, like they just have no chance. against. So uh, for this reason, I don't think this is going to be the example of Baker. You know. Winning Baker in his first playoff start is probably going to struggle against this defense, he's probably going to struggle because they just match up well with them. There's a reason why their backups almost beat them last week. Like, Baker is a very bad quarterback when he's under pressure.
1: The Pittsburgh Steelers lead the NFL in pressure rate this year at 33%. Let me me remind you, the last time we had the same exact scenario was the Jets versus the Cincinnati Bengals. 2009, where the Bengals played their backups, the Jets got in, and the Jets beat the Bengals the next week in the lap car round, so don't forget about that. I won't, I won't, and I know it's a division, and you can use the excuse it's
2: a division game and anything can happen. I think not having your head coach is a real big deal, and I just think they match up really terribly with them. What's missing from your analogy is that you didn't have a second because. game, no, and also a second game early in the year where the Steelers beat them 38-7. to Like, you didn't have, like, Another game where the Jets. I, the Steelers win.
1: I know, I know. Steelers have this, but Steelers apart. by Steelers by double digits, and I'll God, take I mean, the. Guy, you're, you're getting crazy. You're getting crazy
2: now. I mean, Griff just predicted 34 to 17. You're getting crazy.
0: Look at she the end, the end of the day. Look, if you're at, to ask me which defensive uh player has a better day, I could see Miles Garrett over T.J. Watt, but which defense has the better day overall, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers just because, look, Cleveland's razor thin when it comes to secondary depth, and their secondary is depleted right now. Pittsburgh's secondary is one of the best in the league. I I think Baker's going to have a rough I Sunday night. But also, too, I, I want to say this. I
1: think Nick, Chubb, Nick Chubb's going to have a huge game.
0: Yeah, but here's the thing, though. Nick, Nick Chubb can have a good game. But yeah. they're still going to lose. Like, Nick Chubb can still run for 100-plus yards, but I still am picking the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers to win. The one thing I'm saying, though, I think they should do is, have you guys seen that Tide commercial with Peyton Manning? I have. I know the one you're talking about. Why don't they put Stefan- have Stefanski coaching from home and have him, like, one of those like robot things just roaming the sidelines?
2: <laughs> like, seriously. Yeah, right? It is ridiculous that they're not letting him – like, apparently they're not letting him call plays remotely. No. And I just – I don't see why. Like, you have you have coordinators who call plays, like, from the press box of, like, every single team. I just don't see what the difference is, even if they're not physically
0: there. If they can see the game and the headset works, like, what does it matter? I, I don't know. Um, the other thing I wanted to say to you guys, too, quickly before we wrap up was uh, two things. One, if you had to rank these three quarterbacks starting this weekend of – Most likely to come back. How would you rank them between Ben, Drew, and Rivers? Ben Rivers.
2: Yeah, Drew third. Yeah, I think Drew's done. I think this is last year.
0: Wow. Wow. Matt,
2: Matt, I think Matt Griff, when he was on the podcast, said something similar a few weeks back.
0: Yeah, I think Saints fan. Like it came out this week too that there's a lot of widespread belief amongst the league that Breeze will retire. I personally, yeah, because I remember him saying I think there's belief too within the uh, Saints. Not just organization, but fan base that believes that he will be done at the end of the year. And there's also rumors to that he make a TV deal with NBC. But it also wouldn't shock me too if he kept like a co- like not a coaching deal, but he's always at the facility in Louisiana going like forward, like helping out with uh, players and stuff like that after he retires.
1: Yeah, that's some good. That's some good off season talk, right there, man. But um, yeah, probably oh, man, not great options. This is a really good question. Uh, ben won, Reese two, Rivers three. Even though I picked the Colts to win.
0: Yeah, honestly, it wouldn't shock me if Rivers did retire though, because I think it's a matter of what team would be willing to pay him like twenty five or twenty three million next year.
2: Yeah, and, he, and he's 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 uh he's, yeah, I know he's got that thing where he's kind to, like coach his son's like high school football team in Alabama and. I don't know, like, that's something that I don't know how long you can keep putting that off. Like, eventually, I can imagine a high school's
0: like, all right, like, come on now. Like, it's now and ever, so. Exactly. And, uh, Big Rat, we have to eat crow because last week we came on here and said that Clemson had, uh, was going to win, but they ended up losing. Do we still think, do we still think Alabama will win the natty in Miami Monday night, if it even happens?
2: Yeah, I will say I was the only one that said that that game could be closer than people think. I didn't have the courage to pick them to outright win, but I did say I thought Ohio State was going to play better. Uh, but no, Bama. I think Bama's too good. B- Bama's offense is statistically better than LSU's last year. They did. I mean, they, they have a higher success rate. They have a higher passer rating, more touchdowns. Like, I just think it's too much.
1: They're the best team in the country, especially if Jalen Waddles back.
0: Yeah, he is a game time decision for uh, yeah, Monday. And- Ohio State, and remember
2: Ohio, remember, Clemson didn't have their offensive coordinator, which maybe doesn't matter the first two drives because that's all scripted. But then after that, when you have to make adjustments, that could explain why their offense started to struggle a bit in the second quarter. So with Bama, I don't think that's going to be a problem. I think Bama's going to score like eight out of nine drives.
0: And also, too, there was that weird play with Salski getting kicked out, which I totally don't agree with. But I understand the NCAA trying to make football safer. And he's their best defender. That certainly matters. Is it me, or does Salski look like a jacked version of Matt Beast a little bit? Hey,
1: don't say
0: that. It's just something I noticed during the game. I wanted to tweet it out, but I was like, nah, I'll use this platform to say it. I'll mention him next time he's on, but I saw it, and I even went on his Instagram, and I'm like, yeah, he kind of looks like Matt if Matt was taller and just, like, like just bulked. (laughs) <laughs> not not a knock on bat or anything. I'm just saying that's what James Salsky looks like to me. I can definitely see that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, alrighty guys, that's gonna do it for uh episode fi- uh I'm losing track. I gotta open my phone to make sure I get what episode this is. Uh episode fifty four, the let's call it the Brian Erlocker episode. Uh but Danny
1: wins episode.
0: <laughs> I'm not calling it that. Um But anyway, boys, enjoy this weekend. Enjoy Monday night because For those of you wondering, I'm probably not going to record until after the national championship so I can get a a full recap of wildcard weekend, uh, the the Wild Card weekend, and the national championship because Monday night, I want to be all eyes on that game. Anyway, guys, enjoy all the football, and we'll see you after the weekend.
1: Peace out, guys. Till you next.